Avengers Infinity War. Now, nothing will ever be the same. Can anyone make sense out of all that's happened? These guys are going to try. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York morning radio broadcast announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, inundated with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. What happens next? Listen up, true believers. It's time for another episode of The Marvelists. Evil has many faces. You look fantastic, brother. Yes. Darkness has many allies. This deal is going down tonight. Raise your army. But there is only one who punishes them all. This is just the beginning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's play a game. Do I be with you, Frank? Sometimes I'd like to get my hands on God. FBI, drop your weapon! You're fighting a war. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists. I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the topic at hand, this episode, Punisher Warzone from 2008, we want to tell you all how you can get a hold of us on social media. How? First off, you can go on the Twitter at... The Marvelists. You can follow myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick. Eddie has abandoned ship on his Twitter account, which, such is life. Correct? Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. More platforms. Correctamundo. Correctamundo. But you can follow Eddie on another social media platform, which is Instagram. But first, you can find us on Instagram at... The Marvelists. And you can also follow myself at Peter Melnick, yourself on Instagram. Eddie9193. There you go. And you're enjoying that platform a little bit more, right? You would say? Yes. It's a slow uh, process, I think, like most things in my life. Hey, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Slow and steady wins the race. Said the tortoise to the hare. The time has come, the walrus said. (laughs) Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com, where, as of this recording, on August 7th, we've hit 5,000 plus. Whoa. So, go on Facebook.com slash... The Marvelists. Give us a like-ski on there. Help us spread the word. Share our dank maymays. Share our posts. Comment. Question. Whatever. I don't know. Those maymays are nice and... Spring cleaning fresh. They're not dank or darty. It just damp. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of mildew on them. Just a no. little bit. I mean, they're damp, you said. <laughs> I didn't say that. They're they not dank. A... They're not dark. But. Always carry a fresh pair. Go, Like I said, go on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Marvelous and give us a like on there. Yeah, please. And also, while you're at it, go on our email bag. Not really going on to something. It's more like you're just sending us something. I mean, you you can maybe, like, you know, buy a mailbag, like, stand on it and say, oh, this is the marvelous mailbag. I spend <laughs> money I'm, on this. And I'm standing on it. Why did I buy this? Now what? Now I can't feed my children. <laughs> this, is, this is a terrible decision. But no, send us a line. 
at our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, maybe bills to send us, or you buying a stupid mail bag that you shouldn't have bought in the first place? I mean, really, why did you buy that? The voice I, in my head said so. I, I just don't... You need to plot your money better. Why are you doing this? Peter Melnick Investor. Exactly. But the Marvelous said Gmail. Dot com. Now, Eddie, obviously we are going to talk about the Punisher War Zone. But before we even get into that, we want to give a big thank you to Ooh. Punisher Core on Facebook. Punisher Core. They are one of my favorite Punisher Facebook pages and... Just a comic page in general. I'm I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff like Punisher Core, Doctor Strange Core. What else? Moon Knight Core, which I've shared the hell out of. There's just so much Moon Knight stuff to share, and it's just yeah. But for one of the core sites, basically, it's I believe Core comes from Hardcore, so like you know, Punk Core, whatever. I don't even know, but that's where that name comes from, Punisher Core. It's a nice ending to whatever you put in front of it. Yeah. And, and, I, a, and a hyphen, too. I follow Possum Corps because I love pictures of possums on my Facebook, Eddie. You've seen the pictures of possums. I probably have, but now you had to remind me. I, I love trash cats, Eddie. Trash cats. They're the best. They're little robbers. <laughs> but No, that's the raccoon. Sorry. No, that's a rabbit. Yes, rabbit. And tree. <laughs> and tree. But also, we want to give a big thank you to the Punisher 1989, the untold story of a cult classic, for also sharing our review of the Punisher 1989. And you can find them at facebook.com slash thepunisher.filmbook. And you can also find them on Twitter, which is at Punisher underscore book. So give them a follow, let them know you're listening to us, and that you enjoy what they're doing as well. So for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Mel- No, uh, Oh boy, what a wrap. No, no, a rap would be me rhyming just really badly. I was thinking of the sandwich, like, for lunch, a rap. Now, would you go whole wheat? Would you go spinach wrap? No. And no. No? Oh. No whole wheat, no spinach. Whole grain? Maybe. Seven grain? Okay. Eddie goes six grain, just because. That, that is one too many. One too many. The liquid grain would be one too many. Now, Eddie, let's get into the main event of this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, in this corner... Well, you said the main event. Well, yeah, but I'm going with continuing it. Let's continue the main event. The Punisher War Zone. 2008. I was, like, confused, like, oh, it is 08. That does make sense. 2008. I'm, like, 2010, 20-something. 2008. 2004. I've never heard anyone call it like that. Yeah, well... Not anymore. Well, not yeah, because you just said it, and it, it went Ooh. through my ears. So did Marvel Knights. Now, Eddie, first off, that's something about this movie that I really want to talk to you about. Okay. Do you think that there could have been more Marvel Knights movies, but this movie was the make or break? Yeah, this could have been the litmus test for sure, because this is the first, I believe, and someone will, if not you, correct me if I'm wrong, that you have Marvel Knights logo on here which I think at its inception, when it came out, that is in any comic book run, and I did not look to see which title did that first, that it meant it was a... Uh, more adult. More adult and or darker. It was the prelude to Marvel Max. Yeah. Okay. This was like 1998, I want to believe. Sounds good, because that mid to getting into late 90s period, the comic book industry was really not doing well at all. 
And I think they, it was time for some other ideas and get maybe more adults into it. I guess in, you know, late teens, 20s, that kind of stuff. Right. Because for whatever reasons, it was fading out and you had limited runs of things. Better to fade out and, than to fade away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Just there's like this look of he really made that reference. I'm kind of disappointed in him, but I'm also kind of proud of him for just writing. I, I stopped my brain from thinking, what song is he talking about now? It's Neil Young. It absolutely is. Yes, okay. And it's not at all a crazy, 1980s band. Crazy horse himself. No. Better to fade out than to fade away. Da, da, which, is a, which is a taking liberties with the actual lyrics. I think we should actually talk about it. it's better to out. Ooh, Mr. Wilson, you got me there. Which is why I had to hesitate, because I'm like, that does not sound exactly right. Now, anyway, let's get back to the movie. You get off the trail, so, and I go, what? The interesting thing about Marvel Knights is actually this year, 1998, is the 20th anniversary of the Marvel Knights brand. Ah, yes. And Marvel's actually going to be doing like different things, like re-releasing a ton of the books, like special editions. They're going to be doing dollar book reprints. On the spot question, what Marvel Knights titles can we think of? Daredevil, The Punisher, Elektra. Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider, I believe, is a Marvel Knights title. Spider-Man? Briefly. They did a Marvel Knights Spider-Man. Like There were two five-issue miniseries. Black Widow? Black Widow, I do not believe. Unless that went straight to a Luke Max. Cage. Some, but like now, see now that you say it on the fly, now I want to look it up. Marvel Knights, and let's see what we have. Marvel Knights was an imprint of Marvel Comics that contained material taking place just outside the Marvel Universe, Earth six one six. The imprint originated in nineteen ninety eight when Marvel outsourced four titles: Black Panther, The Punisher, Daredevil, and The Inhumans. I always forget The Inhumans, Inhumans that twelve oh, issue geez. series. And Black Panther. Yep. Yep. To Joe Quesada and Jimmy Pamiotti's company, Event Comics. Event hired the creative teams for the Knights line while Marvel published them. And many of the series, for example, Black Panther, Daredevil, Inhumans, Marvel Knights itself. It was like a, uh, I believe... There was its own title. title. Yes, yes. The Punisher, Elektra, Captain America. That's surprising. Mm -hmm. Never expected that. Okay. The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Ecstatic, District X. And then Black Panther again. And then there was a ton of limited series. One of which is Silver Surfer Requiem. And that the, was Marvel Knights, okay. And also the Marvel Colors series. Spider-Man Blue, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk Gray, and Captain America White. Marvel Knights, look at that. Okay, yeah. now we know. And that is that is one of my favorite things. Good stuff. Of the that era, you know? Marvel Knights. Yeah, I absolutely love it. That's why I keep saying it. And... It's it's just cool stuff. There's really cool series, and they went all out on those titles. And they obviously, it, w it wouldn't go to the extent that Marvel Max would, right. but still. And you didn't have to, like you said, Marvel Knights was a precursor to Marvel Max, but you didn't necessarily, I don't think, had to have a character as a Marvel Knights run to go to Max. Correct. So you could have gone from whatever regular series, like I think in the case of Black Widow, there was not necessarily... No, I think there was. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe you said it and I didn't hear. A Black Widow Marvel Knights. As a miniseries, perhaps. A limited series. Yes, she did have a miniseries. And then a, a Marvel Max series, because I'm thinking... Well, it was, it was just the, a Marvel Max miniseries. And there we go. So... Talking in circles here. <laughs> don't want to talk around in circles. Talk around in circles. Talk around in circles. Talk around in circles. I'm dizzy. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Step away from the microphone. 
Now, Eddie, on top of that, what I want to know is, do you feel that a Marvel Knights brand could work in 2018? Or are comics already enough of a quote-unquote mature line the way they are that you really don't need to do that? You can just put you know, a little label saying, hey, this is an adult book. Well, we saw where it went with the, the print medium. But I think if we go back to the question of whether Punisher Warzone was a Marvel Knights test to see if the market could handle it, did we completely answer that? Not really, no. Um, <laughs> it was probably a test, and I guess they didn't want to go anywhere else with it. There could have been so many more movies that they could have done but with this. But that was, yeah, that, that could, have, could have happened. Because I have a feeling Blade would have been a Marvel Knights movie. Oh, yeah. I agree. But... No question. That went, that went a different route, what, a few years earlier, I believe. A risque Howard the Duck shows even more duck tits. Just all the duck tits. <laughs> but, Eddie, going into the movie, I'll just ask flat out, what did you think of this? You know, it's it's been a while since I actually did watch it, now that we get to talk about it. But It's been a while. The, the biggest thing I, that jumps out of me is I wasn't sure, yeah, out of the way, if they knew how to end it. Didn't take more than uh, one one page of notes meaning one side of one page, which is probably the least amount of notes for any given length of a movie. And this clocked into, what, an hour and 43 minutes. And this was a movie that, while it was being made, this was actually, it did not do well in theaters, as you can imagine. And personally, I'm just going to get this out there. I like this movie. It's not perfect. And as of right now, spoilers a little bit, not my favorite Punisher movie. But I enjoyed it. Now, with this, it was a movie where not long after Punisher 2004 came out with Thomas Jane, they were working on a sequel, and they ended up saying, basically, scrapping it. It was supposed to be Punisher 2 with the villain being Jigsaw, and they kept going and going and going up until, I believe, 2007, and nothing came about, and then they just scrapped it and said, hey, let's just do a new movie with a new lead in the form of Ray Stevenson, who, by the way, some of you might recognize from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And when I say that, I'm referring to the character of Volstagg. He appears in Thor, Thor the Dark World, and Thor Ragnarok. So he's in he's in quite a number of these movies. Now I have to really think about this now. Volstagg, one of the Warriors 3? I believe so, yes. Okay. And I have to place him. Oh, boy. But the man is an actor. Different, different, uh, you know, makeup and whatever. So, oh, boy. Wow. But the man is an actor who has been in the MCU and then a non-MCU movie. And it took maybe three years for him to go from Frank Castle to Volstagg. So he really had to grow that facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> he, I'm sorry, I, in, in just seeing him, I kept thinking of, and I wasn't an avid watcher. But it would be on in the house from time to time from Sex and the City, Mr. Big, or just a character of Big, Chris Noth. I can't see that. I, I saw a resemblance facially. My thing is with him, he is one of the best interpretations of the Punisher. And He's a damn good one, I'd say. Yeah. It's very dark, very ominous, and he's a flip side of what thomas jane's version was and again everyone goes on that thomas jane was the best punisher he was the best this there's got to be a reason i don't see it though but not everybody agrees here we are with that happening what do you feel is a thing about ray's character that stands out for you later in the film you get to see that he was 
on a completely opposite career life path. You know, I don't know how much war, military training, all that, that that we know about from the previous two being a serviceman, whether it was FBI or special forces. I'm just going off on that because he was, I think, headed to the priesthood in this one. Right. So you've got a couple of church scenes, for example, which brings a different flavor element into it, perspective, a little bit of perspective. Yeah, very. Flavor Flav, even. That's where I was thinking you were going to go. But Yeah, boy. Like, yeah. But it's definitely, it's it's darker, grittier, really, you know, as, you know, whether you prepped me to say, oh, it's really violent, you know, when you see this. Yeah, I did sure point that is. out. Yeah, it is. Sure it is. Yeah. It's the nature of it. And here's the thing about why it's so violent. When they were working on these movies, they ended up making this into a film where the storyboards were literally, and director Alexei Alexander was quoted saying this on the podcast, How Did This Get Made? They took the comic panels and put them on as storyboards. And they just shot some of the comics. And when I watch this movie, I get a heavy, 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 heavy... It's four heavies if you're in accounting. Yeah. Heavy interpretation that this was in the style of Garth Ennis. And when you read the Garth Ennis comics... It's very violent. It's very bloody. It's very visceral. And that's what you want to have when you have this character on the big screen. Let's be honest. Like, that's what you got to do. When you're going into, you know, not necessarily War Zone as a subtitle, but Marvel Knights, knowing that it's a darker, more adult nature. Yeah, this is definitely the direction you're going. So rated R would be the the lowest, so to speak, rating you would have on this. You know, R plus if there was such a thing. NC-17. Yeah. Well, when I see this movie, I definitely understood why it got the R rating, why it was, why it earned that rating. Like, just the death metal music, the over-the-top blood and guts. I I feel Lexi did the Punisher justice. And this is, you know, it, it took a while. Like, you know, I feel to improve on the character. You know, we got that in Daredevil and that hallway scene. Oh boy. Or that the prison scene, the prison scene with John, Johnny Bernthal's character. Just him in all white and by the end of the scene he's drenched in blood. Uh, I'm going with what you're saying there. So they understand how these characters are, how violent and visceral and frightening they can be. Yep. Do you believe that I'll ask the silliest question that I could ask. Mm-hmm. Do you think a PG-13 Punisher could even be possible? <sighs> I don't. No, no. Not if you want to do enough to him. I mean, in the comics, in in the information that Wikipedia supplied to try and water down his character, he was in um, a Spider-Man show, uh, animated of sort. Yes, where they, the actor who plays him, Ray Stevenson? Took him, took him really down a few notches to uh, remove the violence aspect. Well, in the early 2010s, they actually brought Ray Stevenson on as the Punisher on the show oh, okay. Marvel Superhero Squad. It's a children's show, mm-hmm. like super children's show. It's based off of, I believe, the Play School line of toys. And they brought the Punisher onto the show. And he starts talking about how he hates Brussels sprouts and how... You have to have them off the plate because the juice from them will infect it, and that's just like crime. And he's going on. It is one of the funniest things you'll ever see because it's so tongue-in-cheek of what this character is about. And, yeah, just so, so, so awesome to see 
that character. Just not treat itself serious. And that's something we're going to do a little minor detour. The Punisher is a character that has some of the most bizarre, batish, bonkers comics I've ever read in my life. We have Frankencastle where he dies and he has to help out a bunch of, bunch of monsters as a reanimated corpse. Mm-hmm. There is the story where he becomes Frank Rook, where he gets his skin surgically changed to that of an African-American person and has to team up with Luke Cage. Then there's Space Punisher, you know, where he punishes, but in space. Then you have, and I, I'm, I can't make these up, where he steals the war machine armor. This is the most recent storyline by Matthew Rosenberg. He steals the war machine armor and becomes war machine with his one-man war machine on crime. I'm trying to think, what are some other crazy stories? G-Force, where he goes in outer space again? G-Force? Sp- yeah, Punisher G-Force, there's oh that. Let's see, another one that I can think of right now, Cosmic Ghost Rider, yep. which spun out of Thanos. The Punisher's wild, man. He's everywhere, it seems. And as I put in my one tweet where I like chronicled like some of the craziest things that have happened with the character. He's punched a polar bear. That was during the one of the Garth Ennis runs. He has... What else? What else? He's been tortured with a bag of pee over his head. It's not a good look. Not a good look for old Frank Castle. Especially for his lungs and his nostrils. Yeah. Just, Marvel was interesting during the 80s. What can I say? But that is that. Jeez. the craziness of the character. You, can't, you can take the character seriously up to a certain point. And I feel like that's what they did with this movie. It's very over-the-top, crazy gonzo. And... This is the closest to what we'll get with those kind of movies. Obviously, we're not going to see, you know, Ray Stevenson jump in outer space as the Punisher with, you know, a little astronaut helmet on his head just shooting guns in outer space where oh my they can make noise. Oh, my God, I have an idea. He can replace Drax in space and be a guardian. So he can go from, we can have uh, Drax. guardian. We can go from a destroyer to a Punisher. I don't know. Yeah, why not? I don't know. That's just wild. Eddie, I, th- I, I just got a text. You've just been hired by Marvel. Congratulations. Well, no, no, we got to still have to record this episode, Eddie. Jeez. I, I got to go. I guess. When do I show up? <laughs> well, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to wear your best suit, and you're going to be like, I'm Eddie Wilson, Excelsior. And they'll be like, what are you doing here, sir? And that'll be that. I got a text. That's the end of my improv. But this movie, okay, very, at least in the opening, very Godfather-like. Yeah, I could see that. That overtone and stuff, and even, I think, some of the you know, the scene, the background music, that kind of thing, and uh, focusing on this biological shipment. And, uh, you know, part of what I had seen, too, I want to know, who ordered this uh, Frank Castle chandelier suspension thing? What a scene that was. What is it? Oh, S- yeah. Suspended upside down and twirling and shooting with both, uh, you know, a gun in each hand or rifle, semi-automatic, whichever it was. Would you say that the violence is at its most over the top in this film. Probably. Probably. What I did notice too right away on on the part of Frank Castle, no speaking. He doesn't say anything until about 25, 26 minutes into the movie. I'm like, I'm waiting thought, when is he going to say something? And then finally he does. I forget what he finally does say, but uh, but there's a character name that jumps out at me and it's Budiansky. And I don't know if Bob Budiansky had any influence if he did work on this character. Well, this at all, but this Budiansky is actually played by the man who is also on Arrow. Yep, 
And when I saw him, like when I rewatched this movie recently, I was like, holy crap, I know who that guy is. Yeah, right, exactly. But seeing him, yeah, that was cool. Like, I was actually surprised to see him in this. I take it back. The first thing he does say after 26 minutes is, what do you want? Talking to Wayne Knight, a.k.a. Microchip. And if there was ever a person to fit the role of Microchip, it's Wayne Newman Knight. And I saw... He kind of did, you know? I I think it kind of worked. You see, you'll see Microchip on the Netflix series of The Punisher... But when you see Microchip in the comics, that's what he looks like. That really is. It's the most accurate. From, you know, not having read up on all the Punisher titles, but on that long... The guy in the chair. Hundred and, hundred and some odd issues, 104 issue run. I think that's where we see Microchip in that, in that series. Yes. And, yeah, just seeing him do his thing, interact with him. He wasn't, like, it's not that serious of a movie, I've noticed. Yeah, I I kind of agree because it does have those moments of levity, I guess. But when taking I, taking off such just a heavy, serious, violent nature. But when I say that, also, I do find it interesting that they don't go with humor in regards to the relationship between micro microchip and the Punisher. Like it's just no. very serious. They play it very straight. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, I just notice differences with even, for example, how his Frank Castle's family gets killed. In this case, it's a picnic. Ain't life a picnic. It, not in this case. In the Dolph Lundgren, it's blown up in the car outside the front of the house in the in the driveway. And at the family reunion for the Thomas Jane Punisher. So, you know, when this movie starts out, you're hearing this TV news report about a guy who's responsible for over 200 deaths, hasn't spent a day in jail, four years, Punisher is wreaking havoc. There's talk of a Punisher task force coming in into play. With the character of Soap, Detective Soap, who appears in the Garth Ennis run. And his life sucks even more in the comic, but Lexi does a pretty damn good job directing a man who everything sucks. <laughs> everything sucks for Soap. And when you see the big reveal of, yeah, this whole basement is nothing but files on the Punisher. Yeah. Every single thing. And then it's the... I like that moment of the severity of like, oh my God. It's ground zero there, yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. And then you're introduced to the villain of Jigsaw in this, as well as Looney Ben Jim. Yeah, LBJ, yep. Mm-hmm. The way he the way he comes about, uh, Jigsaw. Like, yummy, yeah, okay, yummy, first. yummy. <laughs> really? Yeah. I would say just wow. Yeah, the way they the way they piece some of these things here. Literally. Uh-huh. For for uh Jigsaw's success. Yeah. yeah. He's probably got some of the quote-unquote best comedic-like lines. Right down to the patent scene. Just do, just to, to just to see and how he's, you know, what they did with the makeup to make him that way and, and so on. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I think doing the character justice was what they did in this movie. Did you catch a reference? I made an immediate reference to Captain America when Frank came in to see... Microchip, and he's there taking care of his mom, who's apparently an invalid, and he mouths off some obscenity, and Microchip says, language. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, what? what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what was kind of a cool, I'm going to say, scene was, and I don't know if it was if it was the Punisher, if it referenced Punisher Task Force, or just a gang that he's fighting, and they're apparently holed up in, in a room that he punches whatever is attached to his gun, rifle, sets it off, and it blows up everybody in the room without him going through the door to confront 
this gang because there were at one point three different gangs I believe that were recruited there was a black gang there was an Irish gang and a, an Asian or Russian gang and this happened to be I think the black gang that was in that room and he kind of with one shot took them all out like like I keep bringing up with this movie just the level of the violence like as we're watching this movie by the way we have it playing in the background and a few minutes ago there's a scene with a guy sitting on a toilet and gets his head blown off oh yeah and it's a strange dark humor that this movie has especially with the way the deaths are and like i keep saying the deaths are gruesome the deaths are violent and the the gore is at its at its absolute peak uh yeah right down to even looking at the makeup of what jigsaw looks like it yeah. is one of the most gruesome looking makeup jobs i've seen on film and and you know again like i said earlier about about the the church reference there is a scene with frank castle in church talking to his friend i guess father mike who's telling him uh yeah you're a long way from the seminary so that tells me he was going down a different path and the next thing i remember putting down is is seeing jigsaw in in white or maybe a light grayish where did he get who's his tailor i don't i don't know well whoever it was they pieced it together perfectly but i don't know how i Uh... felt yeah i don't know how i felt about while, you know, Jigsaw is recruiting these different gangs, these different ethnicities, you've got America the Beautiful playing in the background. I didn't even know. Like, it's, it's, you know, a... Uh, not are we so, referring not, to the patent scene? Not so traditional, but, but he's, he's going around getting these gangs together. Oh, yeah, together, they're recruiting. And the, yeah. And he's, and he's doing that. So it's, uh, I don't know, it's like you're doing it, you know, it's, 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 a par- it's not a parallel, it's a paradox. Two boats stay side by side? Uh, no. Paradox, two boats side by side. Okay. And if they all leave at 7.58 p.m., which one gets to the equator? No. Oh, no, Eddie. I'm not in math class again. We're not doing this. <laughs> not me. Not me. Uh-uh. But what I do find interesting also is this movie pays homage to some of the people involved with The Punisher. And I really couldn't notice many except for one. Like, this was the most in-your-face. But when you see the Bradstreet Motel, and that's a reference to the comic book artist and legendary Punisher cover artist, Tim Bradstreet. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, right? That is a absolute reference to the man. And, like, I actually, at a at East Coast Comic Con 2017, I sat with him after the show was over, and I just BSed with him about Steve Dillon, legendary Punisher artist Steve Dillon. Yeah. And we're talking about it, and he's like, yeah, you know. When I'll, Since this is a Punisher episode, I'll tell a little uh, mini Punisher story. I ended up meeting the co-creator of Preacher and legendary Punisher artist Steve Dillon at New York Comic Con one year. And this goes hand in hand with the idea of, you know, thank these people, meet them while you have the chance. Steve passed away in 2016. But before he passed away, literally a week before he passed, he did New York Comic Con as a part of the Heroes Initiative. And I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go try and get him to sign my book. I had the first volume of Preacher, original printing, and Garth signed it. And I decided, eh, I'm going to leave him be. I'm not going to bug him to sign it, but I'm going to walk up to him and say hello. And I saw his line, and I'm like, I'm just going to see what I can do. Mm -hmm. And he's doing commission for somebody, and I go, excuse me, Mr. Dillon? He goes, yes. Lifts his head up, looks at me. I say, I just want to say thank you for helping create my favorite comic I've ever read in my life. And that comic is Preacher. Preacher is like, I say it like this. Jeff Smith's Bone is the comic that made me fall in love with comics. Preacher ensured it was a lifelong romance. 
I, I like say like this too. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for that series, I wouldn't be doing this show. Just the comic book medium in general, both of those things. Going back to Steve, meet these people while you have the chance, because mm-hmm. you never know. And to be able to talk to the guy who did some of the most messed up art in comics, especially on The Punisher, oh, there are some really dark things that happen in when Steve drew The Punisher. That's yeah. all I'm going to no, say. No doubt. Jeez. I mean, and some things you just have to take for granted that they're taking liberties with the filmmakers. And one that jumped out at me, and it is a jumping scene. It, it has to do with whether it's those acrobatic types. Oh, the parkour guys. Jumping across rooms. But when the, pun- when the Punisher himself, without a running start, is able to jump across the buildings, he's that's like, good, He's well, got good cardio. Uh, yeah, he's got good leg muscles, too. I mean, geez. And then what I thought of in comparison, maybe it was after the fact, and it was a very long fight sequence between Punisher and James... Looney Bin Jim in that bathroom, smashing tile, toilets, everything. I, I thought of something similar, and that was in what True Lies, I think, with Schwarzenegger, with the bathroom, the scene like that. But this one was really drawn out, I think, a little bit. We're like, okay, everybody's, you know, each of them's really getting good shots in, and, and they're still up and moving and everything, but it was just really, really intense. I think that's what they were trying to get across for the length of that particular fight scene. And uh, And then, of course, the standoff... With Jigsaw and Microchip, who unfortunately dies. Well, if he di- so when if he dies, he dies. Is that what I thought I was starting yeah. to hear? Let's let's bring it back let's, over. Let's go to, to Rocky uh, Four now, Drago, or Punisher eighty nine. <sighs> yeah, but anyway. the line is is Rocky all the way. But but it's, it's but, got Lundgren. But it's yeah, it's got Lundgren. Anyway, so I must break you. Were you as shocked as I was that they actually did kill Microchip in this yeah, movie? You know what? Kind of, and it it was an interruption of. A jigsaw beating is what I wrote down. It was a like, jigsaw let, let's, beating. Let's stop right here to do this kind of thing. When it finally gets to the ending, though, about jigsaw getting uh, flambe impaled um, and burned, let me what did he say? Let me put you out of my misery, and this is just the beginning. And I think somewhere around there, one of my biggest problems with this was they didn't really know how to tie it up at the end, tie it together, because Frank is walking with this, the other character who was what down at ground zero in in the task force basement and i forget his character name or real name but he just seemed like sort of a kind of a kind of a goofball and and budiansky telling him uh, you better get out of here and the other guy saying yeah come on frank let me bu- i'll buy you a drink and they just have the, yeah soap going on his conversation of soap thank you right and and passing in front of the church where a would-be mugger is going to threaten soap's life whatever and it, the scene goes dark boom and the last line uttered literally, was, yeah. Oh God! Now I've got brains splattered all over me, and that's the end. And what? Uh, it, it was just like a. Uh, I guess they weren't trying to be serious so much at the end, but, but like, yeah, okay, that's where you stop. I, I don't know. I don't know where I could have expected or wanted it to go. It just didn't leave me. All right, yay, good, whatever. But I definitely feel that that humor at the end, with the whole. Frank. Yeah. That's, it's a level of cheesy humor, and I didn't mind it, but it it plays into the whole black comedy of what this movie is. Mm-hmm. It is a very dark comedy in a weird way. It's, you know. Maybe I'm just not used to seeing this type of uh, humor caliber of movie film, yeah, so I'm not as uh, receptive to it. And that's your movie. Now, with this movie... I guess we'll wrap it up and talk about, you know, what we thought of this movie. I like this movie, and it's a movie where it 
unfairly gets treated the way it is because it follows in the footsteps, you know, after Thomas Jane. That's fine. I get it. I understand. Nostalgia is a very big thing. That's why, like, a lot of people still say Tobey Maguire is the best Spider-Man. I still call BS on that, even though I did love those movies, rewatching them. But Thomas Jane isn't that great. Nostalgia glasses really were that. If we have to go with a big screen version of the character, yeah, Ray Stevenson, Ray Stevenson rocks. I think he knocked it out of the park. He shot those guns off very far, so they were, in fact, out of the park. And, yeah, I liked it. And I just feel the story is a bit clunky in some parts. But that's the script that, you know, Lexi Alexander had to work with. But when you look at the movie overall, how it's shot, how it's, you know, the the scenes are framed, it is like watching a comic book come to life. And that makes sense based on what we had said earlier. It's very big, over-the-top, blood and guts, boobs and everything. Were there boobs? I don't think there were boobs, but... Um, yeah, could have... Maybe that was cut out. Side boob? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I like the movie, and I'm going to give it my rating. And I will say, by the way, first, this movie turns 10 this year. It is a little bit dated, but the movie does still hold up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does... It does hold. It's you know, and part of what I was going to add to was these three movies that we've done in sequence chronologically have really the character in common. Yeah, they are standalones, all by oh, them, yeah. all by themselves. I don't think it's necessarily a retelling. It's not building off of knowing what the character was about, how it how it came to be, but it's just three different, I think, portrayals. I don't think you can connect them in any other way. Now, Eddie, for myself, if I had to give this movie a rating because we're going to go with the rankings and everything. I give this movie a 3 out of 5. Just and like Punisher 89. Yeah. And I'm not going to do ties for this. My ranking coming in at number 3, the bottom, Punisher 2004, number 2, Punisher Warzone and number 1, again just surprising for me to say this, Punisher 1989. I knew you were going to say that. To be honest, I didn't. Like when I was watching this movie, I thought I would like this more than I did the first time. I liked it the same amount, but man, the cheese of 89 really made me enjoy it. It bubbled to the top for you. Like a good fondue. And Gouda. That is Gouda. Oh, that's Gouda for you. That's Gouda for you. Not Gouda, for me. Gouda for me. Everybody loves somebody sometime. Oh, God. Ed. You've strayed into a second Dean Martin tune. Wow. Okay. That's Amore. Eel. But what I really enjoy is that this movie is it's a comic book come to life. And Lexi did an amazing job with that. Eddie? Where I, you- uh, I can not remember all the numbers I gave to the last two. I wasn't jotting them down. But, but to me, this one falls in between the previous two. So it's my second favorite. There were a lot of good features about it. I knew going in it was going to be really more intense and bloody and violent, and it delivered in that respect. Right. And you don't necessarily need to know where he got this arsenal of weapons and so on. It's a big arsenal. And you've got a big hideaway warehouse or that kind of thing. A hidey Which would only make sense. Now we're doing, uh, what's his face in here now? Hidey, hidey, hidey hole. Yeah, got a Blues Brothers thing coming in now. Cab Calloway for crying out loud. But I think this comes in second place out of the three. I do think, and maybe it's most likely, I would say, because I relate to and I've seen more of 
the Thomas Jane Punisher from 04. That's my best of the three. So and like we're Dolph butt cheeks Lundgren at the bottom. It's funny, like we're, uh, we're both uh, we're flipping it. Like that's yes, flipping that, good. So now before we get into our social media rigmarole and to tell you people at home how you can check us out through Stitcher and help support the show, we want to tell you all what our next group of movies will be. Yeah, do we and know? <laughs> we've decided, Eddie and I we originally were gonna do it like this. It was rock, go, scissors, go. Yeah. It was going to be Back in June, it would be six weeks of X-Men movies, and it would be X-Men all the way to X-Men Apocalypse. And I decided, eh, I really don't want to do that, because that's six weeks worth of X-Men movies. Not well, the worst thing in the world. Yeah, not the worst, but you want to have a bit of variety. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut those bad boys in half. And right now, what we're going to do is this. I'm going to represent... X-Men through X-Men 3. Oh. And Eddie... My stars and garters. ...is going to represent X-Men First Class through X-Men Apocalypse. And what I mean is, him and I right now are going to do rock, paper, scissors. A one and a two and a... Okay, what did you do? I don't know what that was. <laughs> I don't was. know what I did. I do... Sh- I'm, I'm shooting instead of... I'm on Punisher mode. I'm not Wait doing the actual... Well, okay. We're going to have to do it again. Okay. A one and a two and a... I beat you, scissors beat, a rock beat scissors. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be doing, starting next episode. Yes, pity me. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. We are going to be doing, because I always pick rock. I always pick rock. We're going to be doing X-Men from the year 2000. So now before we go, Eddie, how can people get a hold of us on social media? I'm glad you asked. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash... The Marvelous. Give us a like on there and join the 5,000 plus that are liking what we do. Humans. Go on the Twitter at... The Marvelists. Follow us on there collectively, or you can follow myself at Peter Melnick. Eddie, abandoned ship on the Twitter machine. Talaya Talay, the collector. You can also follow us on Instagram at... The Marvelous. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And also, there's another way you can listen to our show, Eddie. Hmm? Stitcher Radio. Yes. And it's available for all iOS and Android devices. And if you're liking Stitcher, hey, go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And what you will get is a free one month of Stitcher Premium. Free. And when you, if you like what you're doing, you want to stay on, it's only four ninety nine a month after the first month is over. Chump change. So, stitcher.com slash premium. Use the promo code. Marvelous. And what is great about it is, like I said, you can listen to the WTF archives. You can listen to the stuff such as How Did This Get Made? You can listen to Weird Al Yankovic stuff, a lot of Weird Al stuff. You can listen to a lot of stand-up comedy albums, a lot of great stuff. Stitch.com slash premium promo code. Marvelists. So once again, next episode, X-Men from 2000. For Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!